Hello and welcome to Into the Black Archive, Season 4, Episode 2. Uh, my name's James and joining me is Owen and today or tonight or whatever time it is, wherever you are, we're going to talk about power. Now Owen, what is your view on sort of power at the moment? Because renewable energy is something we all need to invest in. No, it's about the Daleks, isn't it? Um, Speaking about power though, are completely off topic. Right. Um, I was watching Star Trek, Star Trek Below Deck yesterday, yesterday for first episode I've heard of Below Deck two. It's quite good. I haven't it's, watched it. It's hilarious. Um, and they have an entire episode about um, special power and about how special power affects it all. Sorry, you you just reminded <laughs> what, me. What of is that. special power? <laughs> well, it's special. It's special power which can lead to godlike abilities. But it was some sci-fi stuff. It's fine. God's sake. <laughs> was... The fact that that's funny is I know that comes up in multiple Star Trek where they just go, yep, that's special, and don't explain they, they, it. They straight up call it special energy. Do you, know, do you know what I was looking at the other day? I was. I got really interested in how they worked out the warp scale on Star Trek, because obviously they say it's like warp 8 or like warp yeah. 12 or something. And I they was don't like, go okay. that far up. They oh, no, no. Out, they cap out at 8, don't they? No, well, nah, the thing is, is that they've had multiple different warp scales and they've changed. <laughs> so so I, can they... remem- yeah. I, can, I can remember in Voyager, I, f- I can't remember which one it was, but I think because obviously in Voyager, their aim is to get home because they were in a different galaxy. So there's an episode where I think they tried to go up to like warp nine or something beyond the regulation sort of thing. Mm. And it turns Captain Janeway and the other person who he went with into... Giant slug-like creatures because their um, development got accelerated too much, much like what happened for the Daleks. Mm. And they turned into slug-like creatures and then they breeded. See, isn't Star Trek a beautiful show? Uh, <laughs> see, I initially, and this is like a proper bit of research I've done, initially when they were doing it with Gene Roddenberry and it was the original Star Trek, they had absolutely no idea what they were talking about, so they just made the numbers up. Yeah. But then people got interested and thought they weren't making them up, so they actually had to talk to a guy... Uh, and there was a guy who came up with an actual scale for them, and that was basically every warp was basically the speed of light cubed. Okay. So if warp one is the speed of light, then warp two is double the speed of well cubed double the speed of light, which is eight. Yeah. And then three cubed, which is twenty-seven, and then warp four is four cubed, which is sixty sixty-four. Yeah, and so on and so forth. But then that got ridiculous because then they were talking about people going to warp 18 and stuff in episodes. And they were traveling ridiculous speeds. So then another yeah. guy came up with another warp scale, which was way more complicated to the point where I could not explain it to you. The only thing you need to know is that it was designed so that it couldn't... 10 was like the theoretical cap, but 10 was effectively infinite speed. Mm. So you could never actually get to 10. So you could go to like warp 9.999. That might have been when they, they turned into slugs. Yeah, that's probably when they turned into slugs. They, they would have gone to like warp 9.9 something. Um, but yeah, the idea was you can never get to 10. So there was actually a cap on how much warp was too much warp. Can I just say this must be a record for us? We're not even 10, five minutes in and we're already off on like several tangents. We, we've been... <laughs> We haven't even started talking about the episode. We haven't even got into it. We're just talking about warp. This is the entirely wrong show. Which is we're doing a different podcast. We're doing a, we're doing the Star Trek podcast now. Just like Star Trek, we go to 
where we all know which everyone's favourite Spock is from Vulcan. Where is this main setting today, James? Is it Vulcan? There we go. That's a really good segment. (laughs) Yes, the main planet is called Vulcan, but um, unlike Vulcan, where they have pointy ears and incredible logic, um, we have a human colony, we have a new doctor, we have the same companions, and we have familiar foes in The Power of the Daleks. Wasn't that nice? I wish I did that link more smoothly. It was uh, yeah, it was awful. slightly... Oh, well, it's happened now. <laughs> I've introduced the episode. So, yeah, yeah welcome along. Uh, if you've sat through any of that, if it made the edit. Um, how much of that yet. do you reckon makes the edit? <laughs> I, I'll tell you one thing for sure. One thing which will get cut is me sat here going, yeah, 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 that's get, that is going. So, Owen, this episode yeah. is a bit of a big one. Because it's the first episode with Doctor number two. Yeah, so last week I made a big claim which for Tenth Planet was the most important Doctor episode. I'm going to line that this up and say this is the second most important Doctor episode. Because, because this... if, if this had failed, no matter how well first last one went, Doctor Who wouldn't be here now. Oh, agreed. These work in... They're very much a tandem because the first one gets us to the point where we accept that William Hartnell can become Patrick Troughton and it's fine. But now this is us accepting that we actually want Patrick Troughton to be here. Have you heard about the um, prank which um, which Polly and Ben's actors played? I would love to hear about this because this sounds great. Um, on Patrick Houghton's first day, they both wore T-shirts saying "Come back, William Hartnell, all is forgiven." <laughs> on their first day, first rehearsal day. That's Apparently, initially, initially Patrick Houghton was not impressed because he was bloody terrified that they got the role. Was <laughs> he was not impressed? It's funny though. It it, it yeah. kind of sets you at ease when they say, "Don't worry, it's just a joke, mate." Yeah, uh, and. This is a big nervous thing because not only, I mean, nowadays someone takes on the role of a doctor, it's a whole thing and we know that their their profile is going to become so much bigger and there's pressure from the fans and everything, but this was this is completely uncharted territory. No one's ever really tried this in this way. Mm. Yeah, I have no idea whether it's going to work. Do you know, that's the reason why this episode is really important and something you haven't actually mentioned. Mm. Which will be a running theme of this entire season it's the first fully animated season the first fully animated episode where every yeah. episode had to be animated yeah because there is no surviving tape that's been there found of the is, one. there is a few because for once in my in this podcast i have made notes well you have made notes so presumably yeah. there's so if they're surviving tape, it couldn't have been in a sufficient quality because otherwise we would just have we'd be seeing the tape, right? So there's certain areas where we've got tape, but it's never very long. So we've got, for example, we've got clips from Tomorrow World where it's got two clips from episode four. And then we've got there's one from ABC in in Australia's TV show called Perspectives, which has got like two clips from episode four and five respectively. So we've got loads of little things here and then. We've also got the trailer as well. So there's reference points, effectively. Yeah, and there's also um, off-screen recordings where essentially some someone at one point got around 
winding camera and wound it at the screen. So we've got mm. little muted things like that. So that those things there exist. So they can act as like reference points. So that's how if you say look up video clip of Polly and Ben and the Doctor going in to discover the Daleks, that was from the um, trailer which got aired. It was essentially at the end of a, at the end of a other TV episode which they kept. And it just happened to have that chunk in right at the very end. So, so effectively, everything that does survive has been cobbled together. Yeah. So essentially, like what happened with the other random clips we've got, it essentially comes from um, TVs going, TV shows going. Oh, we'd like to include this clip in in our TV show where we're discussing this thing, mm. and they send send along the tape, and then the tape goes missing and we only just get that little bit from the first show. Because that's actually how we lost some of the uh, Daleks master plan is they sent the te- master tape to Blue Peter so they mm. could get the clip off it and then Blue Peter just never returned it. <laughs> See, I always knew Blue Peter were up to something because for a start they gave you badges and then secondly they're out here doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's what I made earlier. We all but, we all see through the lies. But something which did survive from these episodes is the audio. Yes, and thank goodness it does, because it means we can actually talk about the performances, even though we've only got one aspect of them. Yeah. So for this, we have got Graham Strong, who gave us the best recording. and But also we've got David Holman and Richard Landon, who also recorded it as well at the time. Because mm, so the BBC... Are... BBC didn't keep the original audio recording. These were from fans. Yeah, so these are fans submitted effectively from previous tapes and isolated. Yeah, so um, Graham Strong's method, he wired in his microphone to the TV cabinet and recorded it from that. When he was 14. When he was 14, he started. And that is very, very fortunate that he had such a niche passion. Yeah. He was doing it up until he was 17. So there you go. Um, so, so, but yeah, so we've got a lot for him to thank, but yeah, because he sadly died in 2018, but before then, he managed to get to Comic-Con on a stage where he met William Russell, his childhood hero. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Should we talk? Yeah. (laughs) Normally we go, character's story. Yeah. Can I propose we go a different way? We get animation, so? animation character story. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about the animation because it has to be addressed. I mean, this is a fully animated thing and we can't pretend that there isn't two and a half hours of painstaking yeah. work that's gone into this existing. Yeah. So, so shall we? Was, let's talk about it. So it was originally animated in 2016 to hmm. celebrate the 50th anniversary of its original airing. What did you think? Of the animation itself? Yes. I I mean, it's not the best animation that has ever been made or anything. It's not like Pixar, yeah. where you get these gorgeous re- digital renditions. It's, it's, it's functional, is what I say. It's 3D enough, but relies on cartooning. There are limited movements. You can tell it was done on a budget, but even mm. so... What they do with it does the job fully, and it and the job is to realise the audio. Effectively. So yeah. 
So when I was watching it, I really enjoy, enjoyed how dark it was, how dingy it was. I really liked the physicality of when Henson is pushing shut for capsule. I really liked how visual, visual that was. How mm. he, you could really see him leaning into it. Yeah. And also, it was just really nice, dark, dingy, not too bright. It was really quite nice. Yeah. It's also unique to watch uh, something in colour, because I forgot what that was like. Oh. I, I didn't watch it in colour. I watched it in black and white. Did you? This is the first time in Info Black Archive history where we watched two different things. What do you mean, watched two different things? Hold on, because I've watched the Britbox six parters. Yes, but so this Which is where it gets fun. Yeah, I, I was hinting at this earlier because it definitely was not dark and dingy. What was brought on Britbox? So initially. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love keeping things from you. Can you keep um, a lot from me? So this was, as I said, this was initially animated in 2016. As you say, it was done on a tight budget. It was not given enough time. It was given five months to animate it all. It got to the point where they were not even properly capturing frames. They were literally just pumping them out mm. bit by bit. So they didn't have any time to animate it properly. So when Henson's having his meltdown at one point, where his arm seemed like he's completely disconnected. They really hated that. Mm. But to celebrate Troughton's... I think it was to celebrate Troughton's birth, they reanimated it in 2020. Yes. Which I'm now, I'm now looking at the information for this. Yes, which I got. So My... you have the featuring fresh animation in high definition and authentic black and white visuals special no, not, edition. not high definition, sadly. Oh, because I wanted to order it in Blu-ray, but um, for Blu-rays, we wouldn't get here in time for recording. Right, okay. So, so, so you just have the DVD. So I just have the DVD. But yeah. But I watched them both side by side on my monitor. I've got a photo which I'll post on Twitter it, to analyse the differences. So obviously you, you're the one who knows because mm. I've only seen it mm -hmm. with um, the colours. Which it, it, You know, it's not even odd. In a strange way, it is, but you kind of forget. You just sort of think, so, well, this would be a black and white one, thing. One of the issues which they had with the initial animation, which is why they remade it, was that they weren't initially told it was going to be in colour. They got told that like within with two months before it needed to be published out. So they essentially mm. just coloured over the black and white bits. Yeah. Which makes it seem a bit off. Something which I noticed, especially when comparing them, the Daleks seem really shiny. Yeah, they have a very much like a chrome look. Which doesn't work because essentially the Daleks are the only 3D part of this, 3D animated part of this entire thing, which really stands out in that brick box version mm. so badly. Um, but they don't shine in the new one. They're a lot more matte, which makes it look so much better. Yeah, it, it, I think that's kind of lent into my opinion on it because obviously I've seen kind of the older yeah. version. And yeah, there are points where things look a little out of place and things are a little bit jittery and things don't move a lot. But like I say, it's a functional thing. What it's doing yeah. is it's providing a visual reference almost for the audio to yeah. do the job. Because, and thank goodness we have the full audio because it means we can create everything in the same pace. Hmm. So this we still get the feeling of the episode. This brings us on to a question which I had for you about the animated versions. Mm. So 
one of the things they did outside of the reanimating section certain parts they changed the lighting they changed everything so it's a lot more so you know how it everything seems to be it's either they're talking and it's very close up or it's in a very wide wide shot mm. they changed that sort of thing but they also removed bits so this what I was one of the questions I asked when they're making these animations what do you think they should prioritize the enjoyment from a modern day viewer or a picture perfect recreation that's a very very good question and i think the 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 issue with that question is that everything's contextual so i think for this because it's pretty much intended to be a recreation Mm. I think they should focus on it being a recreation because that's the point of yeah. the power of the dogs being animated is that it's recreating something. When they're doing just, let's say, Big Finish are doing animation just for a new Doctor Who story or like a, yeah. maybe they're doing like one of the ninth, the new ninth audio ones visual and they want to do an animation yeah. of it. In that point, or if they're doing a Baker one or a Pertwee one, whatever, is to do it for the modern day viewer because that's a new product. Yeah. So don't focus on it being a fully exactly as it was. Just have the essence and then you can do whatever, really. As long as it's in the essence and the tone. Yeah, because what... So what they did between them... Oh, so do you remember, there's a particular scene in it where they are given fruit and they find, like, a bug. They find a bug in the fruit. Mm. In your version, they hung on that bug like a second or two slightly yeah. too long slightly too long they stuck on it they shortened that down so it was literally just a case of there's a bug crunch rather than there's a bug hold 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 crunch which i think is an acceptable way of doing it what do you think um, well i just think when you get to that point there is always you don't ruin a recreation by ironing out little things. Mm. As long as it's all what you expected and based on the original material, there is a degree of carte blanche you should have. A degree. Mm. But it's it's important not to overstep that mark and start thinking... Because at that point, it's just you. It becomes your story. Whereas if you're recreating, it should always be well. It's that is the story yeah. that we're trying to do. We're trying to capture somebody else's work, not ours. One so last. So you become a guardian of it. Yeah. One last thing which they remove, which I can understand why they remove it, but, but a lot of people get annoyed, which they did. So in the last episode, when the Daleks are stalking the the corridors, there's this particular segment where. In the animated part, it doesn't happen as much. But in the actual broadcast version, I think even in your one, it didn't happen. For the BritBox version, it didn't happen. But in the broadcast, ad broadcast version, they've got the Doctor and crew hiding amongst dead bodies. Mm, yeah, that which, does not happen. Which I I understand why they didn't remo- include it, because it doesn't, isn't very family-friendly. But also, I kind of feel like that should be in there. Yeah, th- that's one of those that gets... You can see both sides of it because it's... Obviously, if you're changing something, then naturally you have to have the conversation of, well, where, well 
if it's not what the original artists intended, is that right? Yeah. But on the flip side, if it's then corporate are telling you, no, you can't have that, then what can you do? Because I think viewer sensibilities are more sensitive than they were yeah. in a weird way. I think it depends on what criteria you have everything from, but even if you say that the 60s society was more conservative than this one, I think we're more sensitive to when things aren't conservative sort of in media yeah. now. I think the question which I ask myself when watching these things is how does it affect the story in a way? Because, say, them lying down, de- playing dead, doesn't have an overall impact on the story. It's mm. just a small bit removed. So I think that's leaning more on okay. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't change narrative and that's kind of your base. And no yeah. one will notice it. But at the same time, if you want to do it in a picture perfect way, then you should you should be as close to it as possible from what you know and what you have. Yeah. So just to finish off this animated section, I just want to quickly say this about the special edition one which I got compared to what's on blu-ray it is a lot better it's more enjoyable to watch but i think the shots the camera angles are a lot more authentic there are areas where they've really seen back just don't they just seem wrong now watching for britbox one but they look really good in for the one however if you own the initial, the original one and not just watching it on BritBox like I did initially, because this is the second time I've watched this one. I've now watched this one mm. twice. Not worth it. Not worth a purchase. Really? It it's what as I was saying, it doesn't the story doesn't change. It's yeah, just it's slightly sharper. It's a slightly better image. Mm. So if you don't own it and you are just watching on BritBox like what I did initially and what you did. Go for it. It's a really joyful watch. But equally, if you've got that initial one, don't see much point. Actually, there was one thing about the 2016 release which was very... which people didn't appreciate, which I quite understand. You know which how is? about... You know about Steelbooks? I've got one for the Web Fear, which just came in. Yeah. So they're a limited edition thing, right? Yeah. The only way you could get the colour version of that initial release was through the Steelbook. Oh, Wow. Yeah. That is a bit... Yeah. Behind um, behind paywall, that is a bit... Because obviously it, Steelbook is pretty much as expensive as it gets. Like, that's the, the premium it's, thing. It's not even... It's not even the paywall, I can understand that. It's fact you could only get it for, like, the pre-release section and for, like, a few days after release. Yeah, it's a bit strange in that, in that sense. It does feel like they're going for the finance. Yeah, because this... What, the special release thing, from what I'm aware of, it is an anim- might be in colour, but only in Blu-ray, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. But that makes sense because storage on CDs is terrible. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Remember remember burning CDs? That was a thing. Yeah, I used to have to do them at work with CCTV. Oh, good. God bless you. That's mm. a proper professional CD burning. Anyway, characters. That's Actually, amazing. Shall we, just, shall we talk about just because we haven't actually said whether we like this episode or not. Yeah, we've we've sort of got around it. I, I mean, the fact that you've watched it twice probably says something. But yeah, and the fact we've said this had to work and everything. So we we kind of hinted. I am a pretty solid fan of this one. I I think it's really decent. It's probably the second best Dalek story. 
Yeah. Um, and we all know, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, uh, you know what my favourite one is and you know what our favourite one is. Uh, so it's really high high company that it, that it yeah. keeps up there. It's a very solid episode and it does the job of introducing a new Doctor well while also doing a whole lot more besides. Yeah. So, my view on this episode is a lot more complicated. I love the story. I love the episode. I love it. Mm. But it's a perfect example of why we've got best and worst world building. Because I don't feel like the world building's there. At all. Uh, Yeah, it's a difficult one because there are parts of the world building that are present, but they never go wider. And because you, you do miss that. It because I was thinking about this. It's things like the fact which we know which we're on the colony. It's hinted at this colony is quite big. They've got an interior and ex- an exterior area, but we essentially only see five rooms. Like, yeah, it just doesn't no, feel big. There's no effort to build it out. It, it's it's got that feeling like we're starting to see with a few who episodes now, where it's the sort of place under siege thing that we got in 10th mm. planet but the siege this time is not coming from outside it, it's coming from inside it well as i think with the 10th planet they got away with it because they were not insisting this base was massive they're insisting this base was small it was a control room and bunk beds yeah it was a, it was an outpost whereas this one here they're trying to give us the idea which is a massive colony but we just don't see that no, and and, one... and it, they don't scale it properly in that regard. And there's one other element which annoyed me. As I say, I do love this episode, but there's just a few things. Yeah, I like how you started. Sort of... just, this annoyed me and this annoyed me for an episode that you love. Yeah, they... there's one more thing, which I think I only really started thinking about it for second watch for me. Like, we get told which there's rebels. Aside from... Um, from Bregan and potentially Janley, we're never really told why there's rebels. I th- yeah, the only motivation like, for it that I know of is obviously the governor that's there has been in power for a bit of time and that people believe he's a bit outdated and a bit single-minded, a bit power-hungry and they're tired of it. And they kind of expect that to be enough. But... I don't know, if he... But even then, you kind of feel like you, in that situation, you need you at least mention why people feel like they need to take this cause. And like the only thing I can think of, which might honestly even just be the animation, is that on the board when they were trying to decrypt some text, it's got milk rations written down are being shortened. But I don't even know if that was in the original broadcast version. Mm. It just. There's no real reason outside of Bregan, who's clearly just doing for power, which to be fair, yeah. is just a good enough reason. It there's no real reason for anyone else to be getting involved in it. Yeah, I think it's just um, the only reasons given, like you say, Bregan wants power, and Bregan's are the the main human villain of this whole yeah. thing. Um, yeah, Bregan's a bit power hungry, and everyone that's supporting him just seems to be tired of the governor for various unspoken reasons, and they're just willing to back a change. So the motivation isn't particularly developed or strong but what i will say is it does the job yeah because there are a few times where you can just kind of stretch it and go all right well if they want power yeah most people want power have followers 
Oh, sorry. So <laughs> that's that's going to go in the edit, isn't it? Hell. Um, it wasn't, but then you mentioned it, so now I kind of have to. Shit. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, most people have power, have followers, so you can go with it, and yeah. it isn't too distracting to the episode, because there's a lot they're doing. Yeah, that that's why I say I do love the story. I just feel like the world building is not the best. And you know what? I think those are good points because I hadn't really thought about them. And now you bring them up, I'm totally with you on both because that is underdeveloped. And and it's not even that it's uh, difficult to fix because they could put a scene just saying that they're on the exterior. To be fair as well, I don't think it helps which because it's animated, we get the typical animated thing where all of the soldier extras are the same person. Yeah, I don't think that helps with the idea of making the world seem big. But even then, I don't think it'd make much of a difference in broadcast version. No, because really, you have to go off the characters themselves, and the guards aren't really treated separately in the script. Yeah. So in reality, it wouldn't make much difference if one of them was ginger, or if one of them had, um, or if yeah. one of them was rotund or, or something. If they gave them any kind of specific traits, it wouldn't have done too much. Yeah. About to say, but I do love this story. So, so sh- yeah, and I, and when we talk about story, I really want to go into it because, in my opinion, this might be the most tightly scripted Who story of the lot in some ways. But I'm going yeah, to disagree in one way, but we'll get onto that when we get. We'll get onto that anyway. So yeah, let's talk about the characters, particularly. Um, I think there's one we need to talk about because uh, we have a new fella in the in the TARDIS. In case you didn't know by now, Patrick Troughton, the second. Whoop, whoop. Doctor number two, Dos. Is it? Is it number two? Timeless children. I'm going to show my. Oh, and I want you to shut up. (laughs) Don't bring up that that blasphemy in my in my um, podcast. Okay, was it the first first one, or was it? Is it the second one, or is it not? Brains of Morpheus. Alright, that's a decent move. Uh, but yeah, we'll go with we'll go with the names. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. the second doctor is here. What do you think of his debut? That's probably the word, debut. So I think first I think it was really good way to introduce a character. And Patrick Chatton had so much riding on this, and he manages to pull it off so well. He manages to differentiate himself completely from William. Hartnell, which helps so much. I really liked how they had the companions both sort of initially hate him, essentially, and then them slowly mm. at a different rate start to like him differently because it helped the audience kind of warm up to him. And I really liked how definitive he was when he first came up. Yeah, I, I would echo all of that, really. Because uh, you start off and that whole first episode, you just... Seem, it seems very off kilter, and it's almost to the point where, where he's a different person. He's even talking about the yeah. Doctor as a separate entity. So, so you start thinking, uh, along with Ben, because that's kind of his job in the first episode. You start thinking, well, who is this guy? Is he the same guy? Is has he gone and killed the Doctor? And are we living in this terrible parallel universe? There's no Doctor anymore. Uh, but yeah, as it goes on, it's as if he starts to find himself it's kind of in a one way it's a version of what we're used to now when a doctor regenerates in that first episode they're usually dealing with the after effects like when um david tennant was in um jack Tyler's bed uh in christmas mm. invasion and stuff like that or when peter capaldi was running around 
um, Victorian London having no freaking clue what he was doing. So in that sense, it, it evokes those things. And by the time you get further on, it becomes clear that one, this is the yeah. Doctor. Two, he's not like the Doctor you remember. But three, he's still and the I Doctor. Also, I'm going to jump here right to the very end of the episode because that's how we should not do things, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, because I think I know what you're going to say. I feel like the end, how this story concludes is a perfect setup of how this character is different because I, it's so easy to write this off as an easy way to end the episode, but I feel like it shows the character perfectly because the Doctor doesn't actually purposely solve the problem. He essentially does it... Or does he? never hints that, but I'm fairly sure he does it by mistake. <laughs> it alludes to it, he does it by mistake, which is such a perfect way to differentiate William Hartnell, which is very... Like, by the book, very he will get the problem solved. Whereas here, there's a lot more fanning around. We're not entirely sure what happened, which I think is a perfect way to differentiate the two Doctors. Mm. I mean, either way, he did it. Yeah. (laughs) But there is a sense with Troughton, at least from this episode, that everything is going to be a lot more whimsical and everything's going to be a lot more light with him. Um, He has that seriousness in him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's the part where the, the Daleks come out uh, at the end of episode two, saying that they're the servants, things yeah. like that. And Trout is like, what are you doing, you idiots? You're all going to get yourself killed. And he routinely yells at Ben and Polly. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. He's still got that... He has sort of that heart mm. on edge that we remember, but it's done in a different way, and it's married with even more of a lightness. Because the whole thing with Hartnell was that he was your sort of granddad, mm. Whereas Troughton gives this sort of uncle you see at the family reunion who gives you like the a quid. The way Sidney Newman pitched this second Doctor was as a space hobo. Yeah, kind of works. Just somebody who's a bit nomadic and doesn't really know what he's doing. A bit raggedy, a bit all over the shot, but still somehow manages to get the job done. Yeah, and he still manages to sort of be likeable and be a bit cheeky. There's a moment right at the end where they ask him, so, you know, did you actually mean it to to do to overfeed the dogs? And then he sort of says, and then he sort of winks and then does this laugh. And, and that's Troughton for me in one moment. Yeah. That's like, I, I don't need to tell you. you. You decide if I know what I'm doing or not. Yeah. I don't think he did. What did you think? Uh, I reckon he did. I reckon he did. Mm. I reckon he did, but he's tra- but he's just sort of being like, ah, oh, who knows? He's kind of just going with it. Which I'd like. Which, Maybe which... he didn't mean to do it, but it in that exact way, but it worked anyway. So he's yeah. like, well, I won't play. I won't say that my plan, because it worked, it might have just technically not gone the way he envisioned. And I also like the fact which that now in right. this... I like in that in this version of Doctor Who now we can have differing free views on the things like this because it normally was very clunky, very bit by bit, bit by bit, and yeah, very by really the numbers, isn't it? There were a lot of Hartle episodes like that mm. where the the solution is always really methodical. Mm. It's like, oh well, but this is how I figured out. Whereas, yeah, with this one, you just don't really know what's going to happen. There's a sense of unpredictability with mm. Troughton, and there's the whole thing with this flute, which I really want to get into. Yes. There is a lot of goddamn flute in the in this story, Owen. 
Yeah, um, it was something which Patrick Troughton decided to do himself. It was his idea. It's just like, he just plays the flute just out of nowhere. Mm. There's no rhyme or reason for it. He's just doing it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do to annoy people? And it works because it's a flute and it annoys people. Because there's kind of the, there's the whole thing where they figure out that they've been miked. Hmm. And then Troughton is kind of like, oh, well, that's why I was um, chatting rubbish. Or Ben and Polly are kind of speculating. He never really says. Yeah. Or confirms it it either way. He doesn't speak rubbish. He references his trips to China, which was, which is one of the missing episodes. Um, Quite honestly, one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, true. It's Marco Polly from series one. Mm. Yeah, it's still an amazing story. I'm still really annoyed it's missing. I love that story. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they reference that. But, yeah, that's the whole thing with Charlton, is you never quite know what's happening, and that's refreshing. He's refreshing mm. to have something different, and I think I'm going to really like him. Yes, it's such a shame which not much of his exists, isn't it? Yeah, well, with what we've got, well, a lot of it will be animated, but with what we'll get and even the audio, I reckon we'll get mm. a lot of Charlton to like. Anyway, uh, Ben, Polly... They're still around. Um, Did, it's well, one of are the strange they? ones. Are they? Yeah. Would you believe wow. it? Ben and Polly are still about. They were in um, this episode? They were in this episode. I know. Do you remember them? No. <laughs> Both of them had holidays. That I could tell. Yeah. However, they were so noticeable in this story. I only noticed which they were on holiday on my second viewing. Wow. Because they did nothing in the story. <laughs> no, they are pretty much ineffective. Polly, Polly's main thing is to cry at the massacre of the people mm-hmm. uh, and to get captured, which is very... It's similar to Tenth Planet, isn't it? Where yeah. they don't really know what to do with her. So she just does the emotional moral compass thing and, and reminds us as viewers that, oh, isn't this terrible? Um, and then Ben, even if he's an action man... There's no really action that he does, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It as you say, Polly's main thing was to get captured. Ben's main thing was to get captured, and we all live merrily, happily after. Yeah, he gets captured as well. <laughs> yeah, they just sort of turn up again in episode six. It's not a great. The story very much revolves around anything the Doctor's doing. And if anything, it's 60 to 70% the people in this colony. Which I think any other time, aside from Polly's general characterization of just being generally terrible, I think this is one of a few times when they are allowed to lack on the companion side of it because they have to put so much energy into making sure the story's not only got the legs to go by itself, but also focusing on the new Doctor, because they need to get that Doctor properly built. Yeah, and there is a lot to do, which is why this episode, if you didn't know, is a, is a six-parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a pretty lengthy one. Uh, and what what is good to say, because I feel like we've been over Pen and Polly now, we can just go into story now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Should I do What's good synopsis? to say? Yeah, we haven't you can, done that. You can tell we structure these because uh, we're we are God knows how long was this recording, and now we do the synopsis. <laughs> go on, Owen, power of the Daleks. Tell us, go. There's a new person in the TARDIS. 
No, there isn't. It's for Doctor, but we move on from that very quickly. We've got the 500-year <laughs> diary, which he goes along. He walks off. Standard Doctor fashion, he witnesses a guy get murdered and then steals his identity. That's all right, because it's Doctor Who. And then we move on. We let go into this place. We find some new scientist people inside the colony, which is very big, but very small, where they seem to have some metal pepper pots. Nope, not pepper pots, but Daleks, which they want to try to restart, reanimate. They start reanimating them. They start reanimating there's a power struggle inside the colony. There's power struggle inside the colony. And then the Daleks do their standard thing of starting to take over. And then the Doctor does his standard thing of stopping them taking over. And then the story ends. Lovely. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the first episode and the rest. Mm. But outside of the Dalek stuff, um, what makes this episode work, particularly as a six-parter, um, is that there is a really quite well-developed story about the people on the colony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get a lot of interesting side characters to this. So you have you have Lesterson, mm-hmm. who is this scientist who is wanting to figure out ways to help humans economically, make things more efficient, save money with inventions, and his whole plan is the Daleks. And then once he realises that they're intelligent, well, he's got ideas then... Um, but then he's driven mad caught in this struggle. Yeah, he's going mad, which is one problem. Um, it's mainly the Daleks that do it to him, bless. Because mm. he realises what he's done. And I don't think he can fully live with the fact that really all this is his fault. Yeah. But the main premise of this story is that they f- Lesterson finds the Daleks in the capsule. Once the Doctor's regenerated, they find themselves on here. The Doctor's taken the identity of a man which has been killed. Mm. Trying to work out who's killed him, what's happened. But also, the Daleks turn up, he reactivates them, and they want to be the servants. Yes, and this is why... I, I think you've hit the nail on the head on why I love this story is that the, what we've seen of the Daleks, by and large, so far, is Daleks arrive and they're out killing. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, even Dalek Invasion of Earth, we get there and the Daleks are just killing machines. Yeah. There's no real development to the Daleks. This one, you see this long game get played. Yeah. And can I also just say, the voice actor for the Daleks, whose name I've completely forgotten. Robert Hawkins. Robert Hawkins is... Sorry, Peter Hawkins. Peter, Peter Hawkins. Hawkins. Sorry, I don't know where I got Robert from. Peter Hawkins is amazing in this. Like, yeah. even even though the Daleks obviously cannot move, they cannot show emotion, you can tell by his his voice acting, they hate being the servants. Like, there's an entire point where they, oh, go, yeah. where they go, did I write this down? Get in my notes. Um, Can't wait for no. another Dalek impression to fill Spotify. <laughs> no, and sorry, Apple they, they go. Maybe listen. They, I can't remember what it was now. Daleks are better. They're talking about what for humans can yeah, be better. Yeah, at, that, yeah. He goes. Um, Daleks are better. Uh, Daleks are not like humans. <laughs> yeah, he goes. Daleks are better than at better than humans, and it's just like this is just perfect. I love it. Mm. I really do love it. Anyway, so got... there are great moments in it, yeah. What did you think about that first episode? Uh, just about episode one in general. Well, yeah. it's a nice, it's a setup which is kind of reminiscent of the majority of Dalek episodes we've yeah. had, where arrival on planet, not really sure what's going on. Um, they get 
the Doctor finds a way into this colony because uh, effectively he sees a man just get murdered um, straight in front of him. Can and I... he's... Uh, yeah. Second time this has happened, it's fine. But this is the second time this has happened. <laughs> and I'm still... I wasn't happy the first time. I'm still not happy with it now because I think it's a terrible excuse to carry on. Well, it happened. Uh, and it gets us going. There's a, a man called the Examiner yeah. uh, has arrived. And his job you imagine is to examine things yeah uh the doctor sees an opportunity to get himself in the building and ben and polly in tow and takes on the identity of the examiner it's not even that because they um, don't even see the building at this point like this is the thing which annoys me he's got no reason to take that badge because he hasn't seen the building he just thinks it's a random planet ah fuck it he wants to explore doesn't he uh yeah no it it is <laughs> we're just going to use trouton as the motivation for that yeah no it's just a common theme which Doctor Who seems to be using and it just annoys me every time, even on episodes which I love like this one. It's just a silly way to do it. There are there are always, I think in every Who episode, there are a lot of little um, uh, cheats. I'm going to cheat. Mm. Kind of just quick fixes that aren't particularly, the moment you think about them, they fall apart. But anyway, that's where they get in. We meet Lesterson and we meet a few of the other characters. We meet the governor. We meet the governor's deputy. We meet Bragan. Yeah. Um, and we, we see all sorts of things going on, but effectively the whole thing is seeing that Lesterson is trying to reanimate Daleks. Yeah. It's it's a nice setup for not so much the Doctor and Ben and Polly. I mean, the Doctor obviously has moments where he's trying to sort of grasp who he is, but it's mainly about getting that human element sorted and getting yeah. all those characters into their positions so you know where they'll move later on. Yeah. I have to say... Episode one is the only episode in this entire serial which just feels to be paced too slowly for me. It just seems to take too long. It is a bit of a meander. It's it's kind of just... Really, the story doesn't start much until the end of episode two. Yeah. It, Everything's kind of this groundwork is being laid. Yeah, it feels like it just takes too long to get itself moving. I think once you get past the first episode, it's fine. It's just that first episode is just a little bit too slow. I, I could probably agree with that. But at the same time, I think it's right to pace that in terms of Clever and bringing the Daleks in late in the first. Which yeah. is usually a nice point. Maybe they could have added something else in there. Although I'm not sure what that would be. Um, to set these up, maybe we could spend a little bit more time with some of the human characters. And, yeah, to and get a little bit more about them. Maybe sort of like a tour of the base. Oh yeah, yeah but... well that would do. That would solve the world building problem. Have a tour yeah. of the base. Someone brings them round, and then the doctor pretends to examine things and something like that. Because we essentially only see him examine the scientific room. Hmm. Yeah, for an examiner, he doesn't do a lot of examining. Hmm. In the story. But once we do all this stuff, the Doctor realises which there's a... So he... There's, blah, 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 blah. What's his name again for scientist guy? Lesterson, Hesterson. Oh, Lesterson. Lesterson. Yeah, Lesterson. Lesterson um, has a capsule. He, the Doctor lets him go in there to explore it. They go away again. The Doctor comes, sneaks in during the night and goes in for capsules and sees which there's two Daleks. But there should have been one more. Yes. That is for Cliffhanger. The think... Cliffhanger is that there's the idea that there's a rogue Dalek. Yeah, a Dalek outside of a casing. 
Which is, I think, works because we all know that one Dalek yeah. can mess you up. But something which I've just been thinking about literally just now, it doesn't make much sense for the Dalek to be outside of its casing other than to create tension because we never discussed that again. That's true. It's, it's kind of just there to be a cliffhanger and then they kind of get brought back in and we, we just sort of find them. Yeah. Then the, then the three are together. So yeah, it would have been nice maybe if there's just a rogue Dalek somewhere. But again, they couldn't have done much with it because the whole shtick is that the yeah. Daleks aren't animated. They're just pretty much metal. Yeah. That's like the only flaw there for me. It just doesn't make much sense. Yeah, from a script level, from like my perspective, they could have just cut that out. Yeah. Because having Daleks in there is enough of a cliffhanger in itself. It's Daleks. You could have got away with yeah. that. But it's before we were started recording, we were discussing this. I hate the cliffhanger when the purely the cliffhanger is just there's Daleks. Because the title of the episode is Power of the Daleks. It comes <laughs> up on the screen. You can't yeah. hide the fact there's Daleks. Not only that, because you, you were telling this before, every single Dalek episode now is an of the Daleks. Yeah. So it's just something of the Daleks. Like they, and they keep this uh, shtick up. It's like um, Star Wars, basically. Uh, yeah. You're never going to get away with because we know they're coming. So having the cliffhanger is just kind of like, oh, that's how we find them. Like, I feel like <laughs> this it would, time. would have been being a better cliffhanger, maybe to have not be a mutant creature they notice a patch on the ground, but then Lesterton walks in on them. Yeah. Because that then brings in the tension of Lesterton being there, they find that which they're. Yeah, it just doesn't make much sense for me. The second episode uh, kind of follows Lesterson testing the Daleks out and figuring yeah. out what their limitations are. But also, and this is one of the main reasons why I, I like this episode, you you start to see a long game being played by the Daleks at the end of it with the whole We Are Your Servants thing, but you also see a long game being played by Bregan. Yeah, it starts at this point being hinted at which Bregan is the person in charge of the um, rebels, isn't it? Yeah, this is the point where we start to realise that Bregan has... Uh, more motivations than perhaps he's letting on. Yeah. And it's clear that he's in with coots of someone called Janley as well. Uh, and Janley is uh, a really good character. She's this very driven uh, kind of science, science expert who seems to have this kind of stop at nothing mentality uh, in terms of pushing the colony onward. Yeah. But and looking to the future. She essentially becomes very keen on to pu- pushing the revolution on, isn't she? Yeah, she wants things to change, and she sees the Daleks when they start to get tested as that catalyst Yeah, for that change to happen. So you start to see the long games being played by the humans, and then at the end of the second episode, you start to see the Daleks playing it. And the reason I'm bringing them both up is because the script very subtly dovetails them together and actually invites you to compare them. Mm-hmm. There is a great moment, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's it's relevant. There's a great moment, I think it's maybe like episode four or something, when um or even later, it's when um it's when the governor gets done. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then the Dalek asks Bregan, why do humans kill other humans? Yeah. And there's just that point like just emphasizes that really the humans and the Daleks are doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And then the Daleks realise, actually, we can wait even more because the humans are going to do our job for us. Yeah. 
Because they're just as hateful and power-hungry as we are. Yeah. So we'll wait for them to mess up, and then we'll go in and do it. Yeah. And so, so the whole episode invites you to consider the Dalek elements in humans, which mm. is a really nice touch and something I very much appreciated. So as the episode goes on, we get more experimenting on the Daleks, and we get to a point where Leston's managed to power up a Dalek properly, and actually, no, something happens with Quinn, doesn't it? But what? I can't actually remember what Quinn does. Oh, yes. What does Quinn do? Um, the There's a big row over whether the experiment should be allowed to continue on with the Daleks. So the Doctor storms out, goes to the radio room to Radio Earth to tell them all to stop. Mm. But when he gets in there, he notices which first of all, there's an engineer who's knocked out and all the cables have been cut. Suddenly, um, we go in there with um, I keep forgetting people's names. When Breaken turns up, notices which they're all being cut, but he also notices Quinn in the background. Mm. And Quinn gets arrested for breaking, knocking out someone and breaking for radio room. Yeah, he gets framed. Yeah. But, so yeah, so well, during this, Dalek's being experimented on. They accidentally kill Leston's lab assistant, Rezon, Rezno. Uh, yeah. Oh, goodness me. I actually have the names up somewhere. Uh, Rezno. Yeah. yeah. Rezno gets killed. Uh, it's Janley initially. There's a good moment when Janley sort of says, oh, don't worry. He's fine. He's yeah. just been knocked out. When in reality, Janley's checked his pulse and she knows he's yeah. dead. Like he is definitely dead, and this is later used to blackmail Leston into continuing, which it is one of the driving factors behind him losing his mind, mm. because he knows he can't stop. Yeah, so he's just put in this. He's put in this impossible position where he knows that anything he does is going to cause problems, and that's. I mean, it's a bit of a light one. It's a bit of a light motivation, but yes, that's what causes him to slightly lose his sanity. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. One of the building blocks. It's not for main cause True. but it's one of the building blocks onto it it's a whole building block and yeah at the end of second episode effectively it's kind of like the dalek unveiling um the doctor has arranged a meeting with the governor about uh the dalek things ben and polly are with him and then lesterson bursts in full of excitement full of joy because yes he's got a dalek to work and it claims it'll obey him and now the humans are thinking i wonderful. am your servant servant i love how it says it Mm. I am your servant. I mean, it's kind of referenced in a lot of later episodes. They kind of do yeah. a picture of the Daleks, don't they? Yeah. It's a similar setup. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of similarities to the yeah, Daleks. Uh, that's a scientist. and This was like the inspiration for that episode. It's straight up acknowledged. Yeah, you, can, you can really yeah. tell that there's big similarities. Uh, yes, yeah, so if you've watched Victory of the Daleks, you kind of have an idea of how this goes. Uh, so... Only Once this... that happens, Doctor is realizing, no, you have to get these things destroyed. Yeah, but the humans want the humans think, oh, you know, we can put them in factory shops. Yeah, save money. Yeah, so this thing goes on into episode three, doesn't it? Really, it continues on. Yeah. They meet in. Polly gets into an argument with everyone. She. She gets kidnapped at some point. Um, ben and the Doctor go in and watch a meeting where they find mm-hmm. out where Bragan is the leader of everything. Or they see the Dalek testing a firepower. 
Ben at this point also gets captured, so this is when they all start going on holiday because probably <laughs> yeah. he's been kidnapped. You know, as it goes, holiday has to happen. Yeah. So, is there anything? Yeah, there's really about episode three you want to discuss. There's a little bit, I, I, because you also know that obviously during the episode, the Daleks start to ask for things. Yeah. Um. So. The Lesterson puts one of the Daleks on this job of designing a meteorite tracking yeah. computer, uh, because the Dalek claims, "Oh, we could, um, we can make one hundred percent accurate uh, computers with this," whereas the human one has has errors encoded. Mm. So Lesterson believes the Daleks are building a computer. What the Daleks are actually doing is turning other is, people on. Is, cre- is creating more Daleks. Well, not creating more yet, 100% sure, but he's turning on the other three, which we know were the other two, which were in the shuttle. Yeah. Yes, that gets the three moving, and then they start. I believe that that is the start point where they start to replicate. They start at this point. They start to plot. However, the end of this episode into episode four is potentially one of my most favorite things which happened in this episode. It's such a small thing, but I love it. So they get. Daleks get into a circle. This is for cliffhanger. Is that they get into? A, it's been revealed to Lester, which they've turned the other people on. They've disarmed themselves and all of that stuff. But for, for and Lester says, "You will have. I'll give you for power." And they start chanting, "We hmm. will get our power. We will get our power." As Lester looks on, he starts at this point starting to get a little bit worried. Turns down for generator. So for Daleks, does a shut up slow down a bit so it's we will get uh, what are you hmm. doing and then at this point Lester has a go at them and it just sort of like they just has a go at them and for Dark's going we, we, we will keep we will be good I'm sorry and they kind of like stop, <laughs> and they like storm back to their room yeah like I love I love that part of it just that it's because they recognise that for the time being Lester doesn't have some power over them yeah but they also recognise that he is he is very foolish on yeah. this one and that he's got no idea what's about to happen. Uh, so, you know, they, they stick with it and they... It, there is a lot of great moments where you realise the Dalek is just having to do things that are so un-Dalek-y. And they They're pretty much humiliating it. themselves for it, yeah. They feel so dirty and you can tell by the dialogue and how they word it. There's the perfect space gaps between their words. It's mm. everything. There's also... Yeah, thank- Thank goodness uh, Daleks can't um, properly procreate, because imagine one of them having to be the bottom in that relationship. It'd be impossible. Um, there's also something else which I really like. It's a really, it's a really small thing, but around this point here, Bregan takes power. And his clothing from what he wears from three to four completely change. So he doesn't yeah, it go... full track. It doesn't go into what the governor was previously wearing. It goes into like a black Nazi style uniform, which I mm. love for different characterization of the different governors. You've got the one which wears sort of like the standard clothing, same everything else, and you go into someone wearing a black top, black trousers, very Nazi looking like. It's just a, such a subtle but also good way to show the difference in attitude in power. And that is an example alone of good costuming. Yeah. And when when you're writing a script or when you know you're going to make it into a movie, it is so important. Anyone who writes, please do listen to this bit. Work with a costume person 
pretty much from the start and write it in because they will give you so many ways of communicating things you want to communicate without you even having to write it in the script because it will be right there on their clothes believe me it helps i it's just a such a subtle and amazing way which they which they show the different attitudes and i just felt i needed to mention that no it's great and they don't have to say it there's a lot in this episode that is just communicated visually that you don't have to have an explanation for it's there on the screen it's easy to pick up and then you don't have to waste screen time yeah talking about these little cumbersome things you can just move swiftly on with the important stuff with all of that basic grounding being done subtly and that's how a good script yeah should be written which i really do like this script which brings us on to how they start to reveal which there's more than two dar more than three daleks mm. between in episode four because we start off with ben and the doctor i might have thought when ben got kidnapped slightly wrong i can't quite 100 percent remember um where they were in the office a dalek comes in to offer bragan some water they come out again and they see three dot daleks and they kind of look at they look at each other and go mm. Wait one second. Three yeah. plus one equals four. We only have three Daleks. Where? Wait, what? Where's the fourth one come from? Which then brings us into the lab where Leston's going. Why? Why do they want so much? Hmm. And then Janley blackmails them. Leston with the death. Yeah, and so Leston at that point, Leston's like, right, I've got to shut the power down because this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, obviously the Daleks are getting too powerful, they're starting to mess with us. So he realises it shuts the power off. But Janley, <laughs> being the um, blackmailer she is, has already set up a secret power cable to the Daleks anyway. Yeah, and then drugs Leston so he doesn't interfere anymore. But then Leston wakes up and then they go into the Dalek shuttle. Mm, where he sees everything. And I love how they did, did this bit. Yeah, like it's like a mine shaft of Daleks, it, <laughs> like a like a factory conveyor belt. It's amazing, but it's all done wordlessly. It's done with no mm. music. It's just like a slight atmospheric track in the background. It's just wordlessly showing for for Daleks being made and for horror on Leston's face as he sees more and more Daleks being made over time. Mm. And he realizes we can't keep hold of these. And then this is for a bit episode four into five and he starts to lose it a little bit and i love the cliffhanger it's honestly one of the best bits really mm. the, the, the whole episode's great at just at just building the tension on and on yeah because you're waiting 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 for that moment where the daleks just go right stuff this we're yeah. going to full extermination mode because that, that works, because we've been so used to just seeing, you know, you see a Dalek, they're going to be exterminating. Yeah. The chase, that's all they're doing. You know, it's just, it's a Dalek, it's on full extermination mode. This one is right. The Daleks are thinking things through and waiting for just that opportune moment mm-hmm. to pounce. And so you get that anticipation of waiting for, and when they do, it's worth that wait as well. Yeah. Because they really do go into that mode. It's very um satellite five um parting of the way style. Yeah. Stuff. So somewhere around this point the doctor gets put in jail with Quinn. Yeah, because uh they figure uh Reagan 
obviously knows that the doctor isn't the examiner because Bregan ensured the examiner was dead. Yeah. So at that point, Bregan, now he's got some power, tries to get the doctor out of the situation and imprisons him with Quinn, where those two begin to come up with their own plans. Yes, and the doctor realises which the way which they lock and unlock these doors is to do with a particular frequency of sound. See, now this is like a super evolution of the Dalek invasion of Earth thing <laughs> when they're, when Dr. Ian and... Um, who was that guy? Do you remember that guy? I know who you're on about, but I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name either. I was hoping you remembered. Yeah, he was, he was just kind of the cynical, there's no way we're getting out of here guy. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty much a super evolution of that. And it gets... It means Troughton can show off he's got that Doctor Time Lord brain in him. Yeah. Isn't this the point where Bregan goes and starts just killing the governor off? Yeah, so the governor reappears at one point, goes, what is going on? And and Bregan essentially just treats the governor like he's a twat. Mm. And it just goes on. And the governor just goes, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Bloody, bloody, blah. Etc, etc. And then... And then they kill him. Um, yeah. <laughs> Reagan also, produces a Dalek extermination ray, attaches it to a Dalek, gets to kill him. Yeah. Um, around this point, this is when Eston starts going a little bit mad. He runs down to the jail, finds the doctor in there, and goes, I've made a mistake. And then he gets sent off to hospital. Oh, it can happen. Uh, mental hospitals sendings happen all the time. Yeah. It's it's just a shame we don't have the world building because, you know, we don't know where the city is or anything or how everyone lives, but we do know that the colony has a mental institution. Yeah. That's all we get. Um, and jail. Yeah. And then the doctor gets... I'm just going to rush for a bit because we're an hour and ten minutes into this already. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> We did go on a lot of tangents, yeah. to be fair. There's a lot to cut. Um, <laughs> the Doctor and Quinn get out. We get into a final episode, which is when the fighting really begins. Yeah, that's that's extermination mode goes on, yeah. which is a really satisfying moment. So, Bregan, thinking he can still control it all, decides to say, which we need to kill the rebels because they'll just rebel against him eventually. Yeah, it's like, um, good to sleep. Sorry about that, Yawn. Um, it's a very much scorched earth um, tactic, isn't it? Yeah. It goes just for, well, no one's rebelling against me. I'm going to make sure anyone who can is deceased before they even get a chance. It's very Dalek. And yeah. that's why I like them pairing the Daleks and Bregan stories together, because they end up in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Really, really subtly done, damn it. Good writing. Yeah. This is a question which I had, but then I changed my mind on my second viewing. Okay. Do you feel like they should could have and should have spent more time with the fighting breaking out? Do you know? I actually think it's about right because because it there's a lot of there's just a lot of sequences in episode yeah. six where it is pretty much everything in the Daleks' path is getting killed. Yeah. To the point where you do kind of get the point after a while. You know what's going to yeah. happen. So you don't have to have those scenes. Because you're if you see enough people die and you see how easy it is, you're, yeah. you're aware that they could go into another room and you can hear it. 
So there's no need to see it too much. If anything, there's even a point in episodes where I just think, Jesus, it actually really is awful. Like they are going, they are cutting yeah. through them. Because on my first watch, I thought which they could have, they should have had a bit more Daleks fighting. But on my second rewatch, I changed my mind on thinking it was just right, perfectly. Yeah, I think they just about hit the right level where you saw how easy it was for the Daleks. So you you build up that sense of fear. Yeah. yeah. But then also not too much to the point where you just kind of get, you get like hit over the head with the death. Because there was a point where it was like, whoa, I, I'm not sure I could see this many more people just get destroyed. Yeah. And I think this is kind of the, where it comes on to the lack of world building becomes a problem. You kind of start mm. getting to a point where you don't believe there's this many people around. Yeah, they just, people just kind of show up to get killed in episode six because they haven't done that groundwork. So yeah, there are flaws with this episode, sure, but yeah. compared to the successes and the strengths, there's just a lot to like about this. And then obviously we get to how everything gets solved again. The whole did yeah. he do it? Didn't he do it? Which do we need to discuss again before we discussed it? And we're getting nah, we've already gone into and that. We've run but over it's a massively. nice ending, yeah, and it gets us. And also, it's not like one of those endings that we've had in stories such as The Sensorites, um, where everything ends really suddenly, or there's an abrupt thing that gets introduced. It builds I, to the right point. I think you could argue it does end abruptly, but Perhaps. it does. But as I said at the beginning, I think it kind of gets away with it because it shows the characterization of this Doctor so well. Mm. Also. It justifies it because the seeds of it are laid in the episode. Yeah. and So, so it is designed around that ending. I also really appreciate how they ended it. They didn't do what Daleks and the uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth did, which is essentially make the Daleks into a bumper cart situation. I appreciate Yeah, how they, they just how, blew them up straight how away. How they just went for the straight, they're dead now. Yeah, we've dealt with it. There's no, yeah, there's no humour moment Yeah, where we turn the Daleks into toys. You know, they are killed properly. Although that last shot in, of it, maybe yeah. not. That's what I was just about to come on to. So right mm. at the end, I don't know if I like this scene. Do you know what? Do you know what, it, do you know what I thought when I saw it? Yeah. I thought, Jesus, that's a dark ending. So you're saying they're all going to wake up again and just wreck the rest of them. So essentially, in the ending of when Paulie, Ben, and the Doctor go back in the TARDIS, the eye stalk of a dead Dalek just rises, and I feel like they could get away with doing something like that if they planned on revisiting this planet. Mm. But I feel like it's just a bit of unneeded extra because they don't. I think it's just like you know, and you know, when you like see a Marvel movie and you see right yeah. the kind of Captain America will return in. It's just got that kind of feel to it, where you know you can never truly kill the Daleks. Of course, you can only you can only win one battle. But, you can never truly beat them. But Fisher have shown them bumper cars previously. It just, it just, uh, I don't know. It's a better way of showing them. Yeah, it. For me, it's just a little bit of meaningless fluff because they don't take that fluff anywhere. Yeah, it's it's it, it's genuinely just there because I think someone in the production team went, wouldn't it be cool if? Mm. And there's not been really much thought to it outside of wouldn't it be cool if that happened? Because it's cool, but the moment you think about it, you're like, hold on a minute. <laughs> I honestly think this potentially could be the first target novelization I get purely to see if there's anything written about how it ends outside of the just 
for lens rises, just if there's any extra yeah. bit of story to go along with surely, it. Surely, surely. If, if I mean, what they're implying, right, even if they don't mean it, is that the Daleks are all just going to wake back up and continue the extermination, right? Yeah. Like, every all of that colony is just going to get shredded <laughs> and there's going to be nothing left anyway. Yeah, it it's a weird ending, that particular yeah, it, section. It ends on a very odd note, but it's cool if you don't think about it. And that yeah. brings us neatly to the end of The Power of the Daleks, which, and f- even though we've shouted about it for ages, does justify it. And this entire podcast is just talking about nothing. Yeah. It's it's a long... It's always a long discussion we have. Yeah, particularly when we really like an episode like this one here. No, but it's exactly it. I mean, we've gone through episodes where we just think, oh, God, let's just talk about it, because it's by the numbers. There's nothing much to say. Yeah. But with this, there's so much happening that you can get into. I mean, even from, like, just the basic level, even on, like, a deep script level, there's a lot you can talk about and go through. So there's even so much material. Even costuming. We went into a tight segment about costuming. Yeah, you can talk about costuming. You can talk about... You can talk about the animation on this one. You can talk about um, the pacing, I think, is really nice all the way through. Maybe episode one's a little slow, yeah. but after that, it really gets it. You can talk about the side character. Janley's right up there for best side characters. Um, it's going to be a really good competition for that when we get to the end of season. Already, we've only had two episodes. I think I already know what my um, disappointment, my failed disappoint, my failed expectations going to be, and it's not going to be an episode first non-episode category for that one okay um yeah so there's lots to just to dive into with this yeah. and yeah we hope you've enjoyed uh, us having us dive through everything we wanted to uh, in this episode so before we get this make this episode accidentally an hour and a half long which i don't particularly mm. want to edit so <laughs> let's move on um let's end this in typical uh into black archive fashion because then i've got something else i need to talk about Yes. Goodness me. Um, it's a long one. Yeah. So what do you give this episode? I'm going to give it an eight, but it's it's as high as I think an eight can be. The only yeah. reason I'm not going higher is because, like you said, the world building isn't great. And also, Ben and Polly aren't in this episode. Yeah. And you can't have a great episode if the companions aren't doing something. What separates this with Dalek Invasion of Earth is that all the companions have great stories in that. And here, what was that? I pulled my microphone stand out of my table. <laughs> you continue to talk, I'll fix it. Uh, at least you can be able to sink peaking now. You can see that going red. Um, yeah, so that's what negates this episode in comparison to Dalek Invasion of Earth. His character companions kind of get forgotten about. Other than that, though, pretty damn good. I'm going to give it a you, nine. You're going to go with the nine? Yes. Even with the issues with world building and the fact that companions have basically no story. Let me explain it here. If the world building was better, it would have been a 10. Wow. I I feel like because this is for Doctor Interrupt... Not Interruption, Introduction Story, they can get away with spending less time looking at the already established characters. They can get away with that. Oh, I can agree, but there's just nothing yeah. for them, is the yeah. thing. Yeah, and I agree, and I think in any other story, I would completely 100% agree with you, that's a definite reason to be marked down. But because it isn't, and because they use that time, instead of just floundering around 
waving their arms that they use that time to help make sure we get the amazing different side characters as well as introducing this doctor giving us such an amazing solid outline for him which they get away with it for me like as i say i didn't notice which they weren't there it didn't affect my enjoyment mm. at all of this episode i can kind of get behind that but there are points where i just go yeah but what's their function here like every yeah. character's got to have a function and i think that's just what takes it down yeah because i do think i i'm more than happy to agree with you that you can give them more leeway on it because you do have to introduce Troughton. but there has to be something because there really just isn't anything for them yeah. to do and i say this isn't a perfect episode this isn't a 10 out of 10 oh, episode yeah, yeah. it's got its flaws but i think my enjoyment of the entire episode outside of a technical perspective i really enjoyed watching this i've watched this twice I did realise that when you um when you'd watched it twice that it was gonna be a high score. I mean you don't yeah. you don't go through these twice, you don't enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. Okay, so my last question before we do move on yeah. to the little bonus bonus track yes. at the end of the uh, long album. Dalek Invasion of Earth or the Power of the Daleks? On the spot. I think technically speaking, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Okay. Non-technically speaking, Power of the Daleks. Define technically speaking, just quickly, as terms of how yeah. you see that. It's got more of the basic elements which a story needs. It's got better built side characters. It's got better world building. For the entire areas look better. The outside shooting looks, makes it look better. All of that technical stuff which is there the use of companions of that stuff it's definitely a better episode technically but on the other side of it I feel like I enjoy Power of the Daleks more mm. in that case I think you prefer Power of the Daleks because at the end of the day you can talk about um, technical stuff as long as you want you know I can talk about little script things until the day is long but the fact is if you enjoy something more it is better yeah that that's what I I mean I Think pa- Dark Invasion of Earth by far better technically. In terms of general enjoyment, Power of the Daleks. Well, uh, if you haven't checked out Power of the Daleks before, I think this is a perfect advertisement to do it. Uh, the there are of course two versions, as I found out tonight. Yeah. Um, you can check out the one on BritBox, which is the original color one, or you can do what Owen did and get the special edition one in black and white if you want the slightly more authentic, slightly better animated. Uh, take on this uh, brilliant Patrick Troughton debuting episode. Before we do go and wrap up another week of Black Archive, Owen has been checking out some new Big Finish stuff, I believe. Is that where we're going? Yes. I have, we are going there. I have brought way too much Big Finish stuff. We do not need to discuss this. Um, mm. so, I, so, as we did last time, we discussed when Christopher Eccleston returned for The Ravages. But this time, he's back. He's returning all of your calls. He's in his new thing. It's called Returns All Calls. Um, mm. It's a difficult one. Because it's this one here, Ravages was uh, more serialised. So it was more part one, part two, part three. This feels more individual episodes. So you get three individual episodes. That's how it feels mm. like. Only watch the first episode. So listen to the first episode. It's like so a mini-series. Yeah. I've got very mixed feelings about the first episode. I was really... Why why is that? Because we were chatting about this before we recorded and you seem to have a few issues with it. 
so for the first half, it's bent how it should be. It's bent introducing the problem, introducing the characters, in having a few funny bits of dialogue. Where for, because we meet a policewoman who's trying to solve some missing people. The doctor essentially messes with this policewoman, which is quite entertaining, and tries to work out more information about it all. It's very fun. Mm. It's very good. But then as we move into the second half, the doctor essentially at this point works out what the problem is and starts layering how to solve it already. And then for the final half of this story is essentially just spent on him solving the prob- some problem, nothing else. And it just feels like there needed to be... Thing. It was... It got to... It, it got to the point where I looked at it and generally f- at half part, uh, halfway through going, wait, what have we found the ending already? It feels like it could have mm. ended there. It felt like the rest of the stuff which they used as the last half an hour was purely there to fill. Yeah, so there's a big pacing issue yeah. where things go to the conclusion too quickly and then everything gets drawn out that's not really necessary. That can be a... It's a classic one I used to find in um when you were doing like uni scripts is what you do is is because you'd have a deadline obviously because these were submitted pieces of work for my degree so you'd have a deadline and you you'd write like the heart first half would be really well set up and you because you'd have the time so you really go into it and you you lay out all your details and you have all your little things going your little references to other things and whatever and then you realize oh sh- any week to go or worse um and then you and then you just go oh god um let's let's solve the problem let's just get to the end get to the end run 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 and that sounds like what it is yeah. to me and then they've just added filler after that to get it to a length it's a bit dull because they knew they had to get it to a length because because we had to do that yeah but it's not the only big finish thing i listened to i spent way too much money this week <laughs> is this are we going to talk about tom baker and the scarf which turns into a snake no oh well, we're going. You, you, you are spared, listeners. Uh, I got some more Eighth Doctor stuff. Ooh, some more Paul. Y- yes, Paul McGann. I love it. I love it. Um, so this is f- so his first sort of like main companion, which he got in Big Finish, was Lucy Miller. They continued with Lucy Miller out, and then they killed off Lucy Miller. But they. I think two, three years ago, they decided to bring Lucy Miller back in. Between season one and season two, they made a new collection. I think it's like Lucy Miller's New Adventures or something along those lines. Nice. Because I listened to the first half, the first season because it's on Spotify. It's very good. I suggest you listen to it. Still love that first uh, first Dalek story and the last and the final story in that with Simon. Very good. Love it. I've listened to ep- two, ep- two episodes of the. Um, uh, Lucy Miller's adventures. First one's got a Dalek one. Eh, it's alright. So like, eh, it's okay. It's a weird. It's a weird concept. It's right. Lo- what is the concept? Um, so it branches off something which happened in a seventh Doctor story, where he okay. chucks something into a black hole and it, it creates a cradle of darkness. It's called. Um, they go nice. go there. Um, the Daleks get sucked in. Alongside loads of other people as well, um, and we—that's essentially where we cut. We go to um, the uh, Doctor companion, and also some people who are also in the Cradle of Darkness. Um, Doctor Lan, Doctor and 
um, Lucy Miller mm-hmm. land. The doctor's hypnotized. He won't do anything. So it's very much okay. a Lucy Miller story. This one here. Yeah, Lucy's actually got to do it. Yeah. And it's essentially set up which the more you're on this planet, you essentially get a really fast pace of Alzheimer's. You lose your memory. You forget what you are. Whoa. So these two characters which are on there, they are called... I can't, it's a really interesting concept. I can't remember their names, which is ironic because when Lucy Miller gets introduced to these people, they essentially go, what, 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 what are our names? Oh my god! And, I mean, it would work. And as this goes on, we get to learn the Daleks are somehow involved. Um, so the Daleks manage to take the Doctor away. Lucy Miller and these two other characters are trying to work out what's happened. Meanwhile, Lucy's also being affected. She is forgetting things. She's forgetting her name, forgetting who the Doctor is. Mm. Um, she has a full-on panicked rage Oof. about it. So, so it's pretty much it's a race against time and a race against memory. Yeah, and the um Dalek, the Daleks and for Daleks come in, but it's called the Dalek Trap. What do you think is going on here? Like, just with the Dalek Trap name, who, who, what do you think's happened? Is it for Daleks? You would imagine that the Daleks have created this kind of um cradle of darkness and they've weaponized it somehow and they've lured the doctor in is, is what you'd expect with a trap in the name no um it's a tar- dalek track the same way which the a fly will get trapped a fly trap the daleks got trapped in there they called for, da- for a doctor for help to get them out oh and for doctor in his hypnotized state starts to help him lucy goes no you cannot help for daleks but they eventually realise the only way for them to get out and everyone else who is stuck on this place, who are still kind of with it, because they essentially turn into bat-like creatures towards the end, which will kill everyone oh after they've God. gone through the Alzheimer's process. Um, what? <laughs> Wait, so they do Alzheimer's and then turn into bats? Yeah. Uh, it's not called Alzheimer's in, wild, in the episode. It's, it's a weird what one. What on earth? Um, That's a crazy one. And it, they save everyone, including the Daleks. Essentially, the decision comes down to at the end of the episode. Mm. Do you save everyone or damn them all because the Daleks are involved? Yeah, so you have to make the moral call. And in the end, they're always going to save people. Yeah. Even if it's at the cost of bad people getting out. It's, it, I, I mean, it sounds like a hell of an interesting listen. It isn't. Because in- that's a really interesting concept. It is an interesting listen. But it's strangely forgettable. Like <laughs> That's ironic. I forgot the story existed. I keep doing this. I forget about that Maybe that's story. the effect. And Maybe that's the whole effect. They want you to forget. And remember the second part of this, of the Lucy Miller collection, which is also really good. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a fascinating one, that. Yeah. I, Alzheimer's turning into bad... There was a thing I found not long ago. There was this album that a guy made that's like eight hours long. I've not listened to all of it, I'd like to point out. Yeah. So I can't speak to it fully. But uh, it was about trying to simulate the experience of what someone goes through when you have dementia. It, musically, I found um, it's mm. bonkers. It, after two hours, it's just pure noise. It's so hard to listen to. But strangely 
Karma, yeah, really weird. Um, it's called Everywhere at the End of Time. I think if anyone has some kind of death scrolling wish tonight, uh, wants to put that in their headphones. Uh, yeah, everyone says it's amazing if you go through the whole experience, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't like put myself through it yet. Oh well, total tangent as I usually provide, and that brings us to the long-awaited end. <laughs> this is the longest episode we've done. Easily the longest recording we've ever done. It's um, ridiculously long. Yeah, this will need to be locked. I don't know how much uh, I can remove from it, though. So I don't. So it might just yeah, go in wholesale. Of... Oh my god, <laughs> the one hour and anyway, however long. Till we get onto that point, we're now at an hour and a half in. So thank you so much Jesus for listening. If, if you enjoyed this deep dive in Power of the Daleks and a little, little, diddly tadly bit of uh, big finish stuff, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Let us know if you managed to get this point uh, by tweeting us Black Archive pod or emailing yeah, us it. at black uh, at blah, 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 email us black <laughs> archive pod plot plot <laughs> black, <laughs> black archive pod at gmail.com oh you can tell we're getting delirious here it's it's another it's another one of those late recording sessions it wasn't that <laughs> late when we started it wasn't that late when uh, we started either that's the problem i know we just turned it into a late one Thanks very much for listening once again to another Black Archive uh, super special. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed it and will join us for the rest of Troughton's Mostly Animated uh, Adventures. Uh, thanks for listening, wherever you're listening, uh, whichever podcast platform you do choose to pop Black Archive on, whether you're working, relaxing, whatever you're doing. And we will see you next week for some more Doctor Who-related goodness and uh, banal Uh, we'll see you then good night good night and goodbye if it's not the night